Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shannon Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Welcome to Change Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and uh, currently I'm wishing I had some way to cut my hair. Uh, there is a way to cut your hair. There's all sorts of evidently salons in Idaho that yeah. are just doing whatever. <laughs> yeah, ignoring the governor's <laughs> orders, that's true. Because Idaho things. Uh, I'm I'm Jay, and um, I'm, I'm actually going to... Brian said I should play a game in person versus someone tomorrow, so... Wow. I'm excited. Uh, I'm Josh. Really, the greatest achievement for me in quarantine life was the the day that I started shaving my own head and forced basically forced my wife's hand, and she came and gave me a you know decent haircut instead. <laughs> I think she might have swore too, which was pretty funny. <laughs> I I am excited to post up on Twitter the picture of you with your like jury rigged uh, recording situation that you set up and. And also the fact that you actually swore while <laughs> setting this up, which is unusual. Joke's on you. you that wasn't even recorded. I know. <laughs> so, no just, proof. That's right. <laughs> just like my wife with my kids. So for this week's episode, we have a uh, very special guest that's joining us, one Chris Cluey. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? Good. How's it going, guys? Good. We are great. Pretty well. We had you on years ago. And I, I don't even remember what we talked about, but yeah. it was it, the episode I think it was, was like fantastic. In football. <laughs> I, actually, I think it was also around the release of uh, Sparkle Ponies Sparkle as well. Sparkle Ponies, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 that would make sense. <laughs> yeah. So, Chris, why don't you uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So, um, I, as I said, I am Chris Cooley. Um, I used to be a uh, punter in the NFL for the Minnesota Vikings for eight years. Um. I'm also a published author, uh, the aforementioned Beautifully Unique Sparkle Ponies, uh, which is a collection of short stories and essays, and uh, I'm actually a science fiction author now, too. Um, I wrote a book called Otaku that uh, just came out in the middle of March, so yeah, great timing for book tours. (laughs) 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 So, um, a a few other things to to fill in with you. Um, You you also have done some, some game design. I... Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm also a huge nerd. It's <laughs> true. Probably should have led with that one. <laughs> yeah. On this show, you should, yeah. It's kind right. of implied since you're here. Yeah, it's a, yeah, so I mean, I, I've been playing video games, reading sci-fi fantasy, playing tabletop board games, like, pretty much my entire life. Um, uh, I, I did design a tabletop card game uh, called Twilight of the Gods. Um, basically tried to fix some of the issues that I had with uh, Magic the Gathering, um, namely getting mana screwed or mana flooded, um, and also not being able to play against permission decks, because that's not very fun. So <laughs> it was uh, that came out, I think, about three years ago, and um, hasn't been adopted very widely, but the people who have been played it, uh, or the people who have played it have really liked it. So um, our publisher is supposed to be coming out with an expansion. It was supposed to be kickstarted again this year, but... <laughs> With impeccable timing, uh, yeah. being what it is, um, we've, that's been delayed. So I have no idea when the expansion's coming out. <laughs> yeah, I, I got demos of, of that game at, at one of the Gen Cons I attended and then uh, sold it through my store as well. Oh, cool. Um, well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Um, your avatar on Twitter is a Venethrax that you, you painted. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And it is funny because... Um, a lot of people think it's a, a World of Warcraft figure because right. my my username is Chris Warcraft, but I'm like, no, it's not a World of Warcraft figure. That's that that is the Lich Lord Venethrax, <laughs> 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 abomination of the Crixian forces. 
Uh, that's awesome. So uh, also touching on the uh, author part, uh, I, I follow you on Twitter. One of the things that you said was that um, you've accomplished quite a few things in your life, but the one that you've been kind of most excited about or uh, proudest about has, has been actually becoming a, a published science fiction author. Has, uh, and so I guess I was wanting you maybe to speak a little bit more on that and, and what your thoughts were with it. Sure. Yeah. Um, like, like I said earlier, like I grew up reading sci-fi fantasy, probably from like the age of five. I mean, I'm, I'm a really uh, fast and voracious reader. So uh, I've read like hundreds and thousands of books. Um, but yeah, just like being able to, to know that like my book is up there with, you know, like William Gibson and Brandon Sanderson and, you know, <laughs> like Heinlein and Asimov, like, and, and there's Chris Cluey on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's for me that's super exciting because I just, I just i love the idea um behind a lot of like really great science fiction and fantasy isn't necessarily so much kind of like the the environment that they've made up but it's the underlying um human issues and social issues that that they're examining um and it's often through a different lens you know sometimes it's a lens of what if this happens sometimes it's a lens of you may not know this is happening uh but now you realize it because it's in a different environment but yeah it's it's um Science fiction and fantasy, there are a lot of very good books that have a lot of very interesting things to say. And I would highly encourage people who, if you don't think you're a science fiction and fantasy person, you know, just kind of tune out the the lasers and the dragons and the whatnot and like and look for what's actually being said, because there's there's a lot of really good discussions going on, especially currently with the uh, the expansion of new authors. I mean, the core of science fiction is the social commentary. Without it, it doesn't really it's just. It's not. What were you even doing at that point? Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's just pulp fiction at that point. Like it's correct. It, so yeah, I mean, all all the which is hilarious when you hear people say like, "Oh, get your politics out of my science fiction." <laughs> That's the whole point. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting idea. But anyway, so I have a uh, while we're on this topic of sci-fi, and you said you're a voracious reader. I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw you on the spot for a second. Sure. What's What's give us just your off the cuff top three sci-fi books of all time for uh, you? Let's see, Neuromancer, um, Ender's Game. Although I severely disagree with Card's personal policies. Understood. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see, third one would be God. That's I don't, shoot. I've read so many. Uh, oh, oh, um, Foundation by Asimov. Oh, oh nice. I should reread that as an adult too. Yeah, I, yeah, so but... I, I tried reading Foundation as a kid and just absolutely did not get it at all. I was like, this book is boring, it sucks, yeah. it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I went back and read it as an adult after I had gotten a degree in poli-sci and history. I'm like, wow, this book's really good. <laughs> so... Context does matter. Yeah, okay, so, so here's my here's my quick put-you-on-the-spot question. Have you read Goblin Emperor? I don't think I've read that one. What's it okay. about? Okay. Uh, oh, now I'm embarrassed. Ha, you you, you win by putting me back on the spot. I'll get the author's name here, a, but it was a runner up for one of the Hugo for the Hugo Award Best Novel. Oh, okay, uh, cool. Yeah, same, no, I'll have to check it out then. Like I'll, I'll I think you would it. enjoy it. Yeah, and it's it's one of the greatest examinations of high elven court politics ever, yes. really. <laughs> okay, sweet. Yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll take a look for it. Catherine Addison is the author. Okay, cool. Uh Real, real quick, my uh, one that I need you to uh, side with me on. Oh, uh, brother! Is, is that so? I convinced my two hosts to uh, co-hosts to read Player of Games. Oh my oh, gosh! So good. Oh, I can't believe I didn't mention Banks. Oh, he already sided with you, Jay. Oh my god! Right. This, is, this, is pod- <laughs> this podcast is over. This book, yeah. that book sucks so bad. Oh no, Player Games is so good. Uh, I just didn't connect with it. I won't lie. I can't lie. Um, try okay. So I'll say if, if you didn't if you didn't really connect with Player of Games, try reading uh, on use of weapons because that okay. one is phenomenal. <laughs> that that one's really good. I I will say that um I I. Of of the Banks books I've read, players player of games was the one that I enjoyed the most. And then there were some that were like I I, I struggled with some, but oh, he he gets super esoteric at times. Like, yes. Like, so so my first introduction to Banks was I was in an airport, you know, kind of looking browsing through the bookstore to pick up something for a flight, and I picked up Matter as my first Ian Banks book. And for those who haven't read Matter by Ian Banks. It is one of the densest, like hardest to get into books I have ever read. 
<laughs> but when but because it starts out as like this sort of feudal you know knights with canons society but then all of a sudden there's this weird like alien shit that happens and like it all makes sense it's actually really well written but i would not recommend it as your first introduction to ian banks's writing (laughs) (laughs) it it really takes some getting into (laughs) i I think one of the things that was an issue for my co-host was that they didn't really uh know anything about the the setting that the book was Mm, yeah the, the culture yeah. Well, and I would say I I do feel like the writing was uh well done. Like, uh, you know, my hats off to the author. I just I did not particularly find the protagonist. Yeah, you didn't like the protagonist, right? Likeable. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah, know? no, that Which that makes sense. Not yeah. necessary, you know, like um I'm trying to think of I'm tra- <laughs> I'm trying to think of a protagonist that I've not liked as much. Oh, yeah. But, I, you uh, like Glock well, though and so, so for me with uh, player games, like I don't really care for the protagonist. I just I love the idea of the book, of the game right. that reveals who you are and what your culture values. Like and have the culture essentially having gotten to that point, right? Yeah. Like, like that was yeah. that, that was actually like kind of what I based my own tabletop game off of, where I wanted it to be like the options that you you know that you chose kind of reflected your philosophies as a player. I mean, obviously it's not nearly as complex as you know right. what Banks was describing, but really it should like it. As you're playing out your choices on the on the tabletop, you know the, the other player can see, okay, you value aggression, like, or you you value negotiation, you you value like actual philosophies as opposed to I'm just gonna swing for face as hard as I can. <laughs> uh, yes, Jay, you did bring up a good example. Glockta is like a terrible protagonist, law. yeah, in the first law books, yeah. but but he's like fascinating to read, you know. So yeah, so yes, I can connect okay. with terrible people. There you go. <laughs> Okay, so real quick to close out the the introduction, um, check out discountgamesinc.com for uh, your board games, miniature games, etc. And then go to musonminis.com for your gaming accessories, tokens, and widgets. Um, So to start off, we wanted to um, have you spend a little little bit of time discussing Otaku, and then we're going to move on and talk about a a game that all of us have played and, and grade that. So, uh, Chris, could you give us kind of the, the elevator pitch for your book? Sure. Yeah. So elevator pitch for Otaku is um, it's about 40, 50, 60 years in the future. You know, it's not really specified. It's just kind of near distant future. Um, ocean levels have been rising. Miami's essentially underwater because that's what's going to happen to Miami. Um, the people who remain living there all live in uh, these mega skyscrapers that are kind of jutting up out of the water. But it's sort of this uh, it's not quite a slum, but it's not a great area either. And so the protagonist, um, Ash, uh, she's one of the top game players in the world for this uh, online virtual reality game. Um, But the thing is, in order to play the game, um, you have to be able to translate your motions one to one from real life to the game. So basically, if you're, you know, this epic sword fighting ninja warrior in the game, that means you've trained your body to actually do all those motions. And um, uh, and then the story itself has to do with uh, kind of her relationship with uh, her family members, um, her relationship with her um, her guildmates. And then also the um, the relationship she has with kind of the online sphere itself in terms of there's uh, it, it takes a kind of a, a dive into misogyny online, uh, racism, you know, all, all the fun things about our, our wonderful online culture. <laughs> <laughs> and um, being being a uh, half black, half Asian woman, uh, she does not deal with a lot of nice people. <laughs> so it's uh, basically I wrote it as kind of a. Um, kind of a response to Gamergate as a giant middle finger. Um, I wanted to write a story that they would really enjoy and see themselves as the protagonist in, and then very quickly realize that, oh, yeah, no, we're the bad guys in this one. <laughs> so <laughs> one of uh, wh- one of my uh, proudest moments was that I actually got a blurb for it from William Gibson, uh, who liked it. I was oh. Like, oh that, that's freaking sweet. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and then um, the, the plot itself is uh, she, there's some, you know, conspiracy going on. Her and her friends have to figure it out, save the world. Kind of, kind of standard, like, cyberpunk thriller fare. But um, I also threw in a bunch of uh, Easter eggs for, you know, for longtime nerds and gamers to find. So there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of layers in it. And um, I've, a lot of people have enjoyed it. They've, they've sent me messages, uh, you know, via Twitter or social media saying, like, yeah, we really like the book. Like, this was really, really cool. Have you gotten any response from, from your uh... – <laughs> Target antagonists, I guess I'll call them. Like, what yes. I worry about is that people lack, you know, the self-awareness <laughs> to recognize. Yeah, it's, it's, what's hilarious is um, 
they'll they'll leave. Uh, I've actually gotten quite a few of them. They'll leave bad reviews and they'll say um, the the protagonist is not believable at all. There's no way a woman could do this, and online isn't as bad as that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm like, sure, sure, guys. <laughs> Check all the boxes. Right yeah, all there. the boxes. All the, and my my favorite though was um, I got a review from Kirkus, and they just absolutely savaged the book. Like they hated it. I mean, they, I, my favorite part of the review was the last line. It was, um, this book is irredeemable in any world, real or virtual. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. And so, and so for context, uh, the two other reviews I got from the major review sites, uh, Publishers Weekly and Booklist, uh, Publishers Weekly really liked it. Booklist really liked it and gave it a starred review. Um, both the reviewers for Publishers Weekly and Booklist were women. Uh, the reviewer for Kirkus was anonymous. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, I figured uh, I, I probably touched a nerve there. <laughs> okay, well, we will actually um, – so the, the way that we do the format of this podcast is uh, we have – we do two episodes a week. One is free, available to everyone, and then we do a, a bonus episode. And in the bonus episode um, the, that we're not doing with you, we'll go ahead and uh, grade Otaku. I, I read it um, oh, pretty sweet. soon. Pretty soon after uh, it released, so I'm well, in the you. middle of reading it. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you for doing that. I appreciate. Yeah, that. I'm actually enjoying it so far. So I, yeah. I am curious for your reaction, Jay. Like having finished it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you gotten uh, to chapter eight yet? Because that seems the one that <laughs> <laughs> polarizes people. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely. Uh, that, that's definitely one that people talk about. <laughs> I, this has been sprung on me, so I was not aware we were going to grade it, or I probably would have tried to read it before the grading. Um, no, so. we're not gonna we're not gonna grade Otaku. I just I just was. It will. That'll be the bonus episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. Okay. We're not here. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's That's what I mean. Episode. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I it's hard for me to grade when I haven't given uh, it a fair shake. So. Well, no, you'll you'll just you'll represent the other side of the audience. True. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather well. not. <laughs> So the the thing that we did want to grade together was uh, a game that each of us all have uh, played some. I think that Josh, myself, and Chris have all all beat this game uh, or finished it. I maybe should say. Uh, yeah, before... I don't know if "beat" is the right term to yeah. use. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Completed probably the. <laughs> yes. Um, Disco Elysium is the game, and Trevor, you're also a, a good chunk of the way through the game as well at this point, correct? Um, about 15 hours, probably. I'm, I'm, I'm probably about halfway then. I'm about halfway, I would guess. I'm, I'm through day two. Um, and I haven't started day three yet in the story. Um, but I've, I'm very completionist. And at the end of day two, it feels like there's sort of a lull that I'm, yeah, like I'm currently searching for things that just aren't there, I think. So I, I just kind of need to move on. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of need to go to sleep and, more things will open up for you in, in day three. Yep. Sure. Um, so, uh, Chris, what was your reaction to this game? Uh, I really liked it. It was. Um, it felt very unique in terms of like 99.9% of the games out there um, generally involve combat in some way. You know, that, that kind of is like the basis of the game is some sort of antagonism um, that is resolved through like, you know, fighting. Um, which I thought was super interesting in Disco Elysium is that like, you know, there there aren't really stats per se. It's more kind of like how your how your character approaches the world versus like, you know, oh, my strength is three so I can lift this box. It's like, well, no, like my character likes going on acid trips. So he has a, a warped worldview, which might reveal something different. <laughs> it was uh, I, I, I thought it was really well done. It was really, uh, really well put together. The, the only thing I didn't like um was the fact that they uh, that there was never no one ever really took a stand on whether a philosophy was good or bad when there mm. clearly were some philosophies that's like okay yeah that's fascism like we we, <laughs> we should probably be able to agree that that's bad or like the ubermensch guy that I yeah right. <laughs> I lost track of the number of times I've tried to punch him <laughs> yeah it's, and, and it, it's just like like that i think that for me was the only part where the game fell flat is that like you know if you are going to do this deep complex philosophical game you have to be able to take a stand on issues that matter because that that is what the core of philosophy is like you're you're trying to you know sort of work out how people interact with each other and you know it, which which ways are better for society which ways are worse well and yeah, really so doing that i mean you you could have it affect 
your stats, you know, yeah. by taking a stand or what have you. So I think that's a great point. Uh, real, real quick to back up a little bit, the kind of the basis of the game is you are someone who wakes up from a very severe bender and you don't really remember anything from the past. And so the a lot of the process of the game is either rediscovering your past, rediscovering who you are or who you want to be. Um, and one of the things that was kind of interesting or funny about it is it's it's set in kind of a alternate history setting, I would say. Yeah. And it, it, it felt a lot like Spain after fascism, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and one of the things that was kind of funny about it for me was that when I would start started doing my my exploration and talking with people stuff like that you one of the first people you kind of join up with is your partner and you guys are police officers and you're investigating a crime and when talking with him and also talking with some of the other people um i avoided the um dialogues that were kind of like that were going to let on that i didn't know what was going on or that i had lost my memory and so on those i i when i went back to him i realized that i kind of had missed um, some of the the setting information or and stuff like that, and so I was a little bit um, lost starting out on what was going on. <laughs> right. Um, but well, I mean, those were your choices, though. <laughs> yeah, it was I, absolutely. I and, kind of leaned into being the cosmic prophet. <laughs> <laughs> My, I think my guy was a, a disco cop. I was, I was all about having a good time, baby. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> that sounds right. But one of the things that I that was interesting about it was that. Really, in a lot of ways, it felt like almost a visual novel. It was mm-hmm. very, very intense on on the reading was the the main focus of the game. Um, and and honestly, I, I because of the options that I pursued with it, I don't think that I ever got in a fight in the entire game. What? Yeah, I think I think there's only one that that is like actually story driven. That like you can unavoidable? still talk your way out of. Yeah, I still talk my way out of that one, I think. Yeah. I, like I don't think that I I don't think I did a fight the entire game. <laughs> you are blowing my mind right here. <laughs> yeah, no, which, which is why I said, like, I, I love the fact that they wrote this game that, like, combat isn't the core of the game. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, try to think of any other game, you know, that is sort of like a, an RPG-type game like that where, I mean, what is it, uh, Planescape Torment would probably be the only other one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was gonna say um, Tides of Numenera. I, I think is the other one that's yeah, games, right. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So I I just pulled up my achievements because I want you to know that I have an achievement that only three point two percent of achieve, of players have, <laughs> which is the opener of the eighth seal. So yeah, I went <laughs> I went fully Doomsday Prophet on it. You, you went there. <laughs> that's funny. So Trevor, you. Uh, kind of live tweeted you, you did a Saturday where you powered through and played a bunch of the game um, and I, I guess I was kind of curious what was your kind of experience with that and uh, also one of the things that you said at the very start was kind of your reaction to just like the load screen and then the the visual appeal of the game yeah I mean the art style was very stunning you know it's it's unlike anything that I've ever seen before in an RPG which always seemed to go um, somewhat let's try for realism the best we can, or right. maybe, maybe a, a anime style if you're going to the Japanese RPG sphere, but very few of them approach it with a let's build something beautiful art wise. Mm-hmm. And Disco Elysium definitely did that right from the beginning. I mean, all of the skills have these images, which are I, I, one of the, the word I used on, on Twitter was scary. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, like they're kind of modernist, right? Yeah, well, they're not quite surreal, but right. they're they're definitely leaning in that direction. Yeah, they're definitely not what you're used to when approaching this sort of game. And I, I'm a big fan of the idea of doing all of this. I, I actually like it quite a bit, especially with the theme of how it's exploring your own personal um, uh, internal demons, your your mental aspects, the things that make you who you really are, and and the. The intro to the game was fantastic as far as you like I felt disoriented and I, I'm going <laughs> I, I'm going to complain about this a little bit because it bothered me just a little bit but I understand the uh, choice that they made so 
My complaint is the thought cabinet, because no explanation of any kind was ever given as to what the thought cabinet was, or how it worked, or any of the mechanics involved with it. And so I had all of these thoughts in the thought cabinet that I had not, um, for lack of a better term, researched, thought oh, about. Okay. And there was no indication that I should even begin thinking about them or how to do that. And so for a good portion of the game, I did nothing. There was nothing in my thought cabinet. I didn't know what they were. I didn't know what they meant. I had no idea. And there wasn't anything that encouraged me to even think about something. You know, there was no um, internal dialogue within the game that, that sort of pushed me towards, hey, why don't you click on one of these and add it to your thought cabinet and be thinking about it? Uh, well, it and not- if there was, it was very obtuse, right? I'm trying to think yeah. about why I even stumbled into thinking thoughts. Well, and that's my, I guess that's my, my, my little complaint, okay, is the thought cabinet never felt like it was even lightly introduced. You know, I found these things that told me I had a thought in the thought cabinet, but it didn't tell me what to do with them, and I didn't even know to click on them. I, I think that that kind of ties into a, another aspect of the game as well, in that there's, you can, you can play this game for a long time before you really have much of an idea how it functions or what you're doing or what the stats mean or, or any of that and and i i think that some of that is uh, intentional because it's it's not really a i'm, I'm going to be trying to min max these uh, different stats or different things with it um but it is you know if if that's the sort of thing that bothers you like not having like a firm grasp of how the, the core mechanics of a game works then this game's going to drive you crazy because yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to have any idea <laughs> For me, for me, it felt sort of in between. I I appreciated what they were trying to do. Sure. To to be fair, but to me, it was just a little bit too much. Like, at least tell me to go look at the thought cabinet. You know, there was nothing other than you know there was like a message on the screen that said a new thought has been added to the thought cabinet. Well, what the hell is that? Well, I figured, like, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, well, I'm just going to go click on it, because that's the rest of the game. Like, something pops up, go click on it. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I definitely agree that if you want to be led a little bit by the nose, or you want to understand the underlying mechanics, uh, and and that's going to be a make or break thing for you, this isn't the game for you. Um, I don't need that, but there is mine. It was getting close to the threshold of what I was tolerating because of some of the lack of of guidance of like I don't even need it in the game. Just give me a tooltip. So if I hover over it, it says these are these are the thought cabinets, and if you think about them long enough, they will change your base stats in ways that you know in random ways or not even random ways, but in in unpredictable ways, you know. <laughs> and 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 it, you know, and I didn't really understand that it cost uh, XP to remove thoughts from the thought cabinet, and I did that. And there was, I'm like, oh crap! I just lost. <laughs> I basically lost a level. Yeah, because, right. Because yeah, the, that's brutal. Because the thought I picked was not one yep. that I wanted my character to pursue. And I'm like, what the hell? This is not what I wanted. And I'm like, well, I'll just remove it. <laughs> oh yeah, I just spent all your XP. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> one thing that was kind of funny. So it, it, in the start of the game, you are um, destitute and like finding money is kind of a a big deal. And, but when it got towards the end of the game, my, um, my character's best skill or stat through the whole thing was basically his, uh, encyclopedic knowledge of just random trivia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I eventually got something in my thought cabinet that like every time I got a random, uh, one of those bits of trivia that I, I remembered, um, it added like five or 10 credits into my into my bank account. What? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was eventually just like, I own the world. I, I have. <laughs> so, so you became to... Ken Jennings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was kind of funny. I, uh, I will say that, um, the one character, um, Kuno. <laughs> yeah. Kuno. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> <laughs> we is, all did, Chris. We all did. He is the only character. Besides, I can't think of his name in uh, uh, Baldur's Gate, the Heia guy. <laughs> He's the only character that I, like, if I could somehow physically reach into the game and strangle the shit <laughs> out of him, <laughs> I would have done so. That's the only the second time in my entire gaming career that I've felt <laughs> that strongly about it. 
Yeah, it's he's he's definitely not uh, not lovable. That's for sure. No. <laughs> but but what's interesting is that um you know if if you go through like his whole storyline and like all all the stuff you can do with him like it you, you get you know this gl- this glimpse of kind of the tragedy behind why right. he is yeah. the way yeah. he is and it's like it really is kind of like God I still want to strangle him but like I get why <laughs> he's that way. <laughs> you can strangle him under in an understanding way yeah like it's it's like this this is for your own good it's for your own good just let it happen let it it happen (laughs) okay well are there i guess any final thoughts on this part before we move into the the different categories to grade the game um without without being spoilery um i really liked how Throughout the entirety of the game, there's, like, these quasi-hints of, like, mystical things happening, right? Like, just eldritch stuff beyond the veil, you know, weird things. Um, Not really Lovecraftian, but more just, like, the world seems like it's stranger than it should be. But then when you investigate, it kind of, like, there there seems to be a reason, right? Like, you don't... Wait, hold on, I'm getting to it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But then at the very end, it pays off so well. <laughs> it was, oh man, it was it was amazing. Like that that was one of the few times where I've like I've had a plot beat hit in in a game. I'm just like bravo. That was just like it it all came together. I was like that was really cool. So w- when we finish the grading and and, and wrap up the episode, I, I want to do. Uh, I think Trevor's going to drop out, and then okay. we'll we'll do a little bit of uh, spoiler conversation and and people who who want to hear that discussion can uh, keep listening can, or turn it off. Can yeah, join me in discord while we uh, talk about what we currently know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's, you, there's you a few things about yeah, the ending that the I want to talk about. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Right. But I, I will say also, Chris, I feel like the Lovecraftian comparison is, is not far off base. Yeah, it, 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 there definitely is that idea that like there's, you know, there's bad things out there. And yeah, yeah. You can never quite get a glimpse of them, but they're there. And, you know, and, and, I, and I think one of the things that, that again, was, was really cool about it is in, in crafting that environment, you know, the, the bad things, like, a lot of it isn't just necessarily like, oh, here's this weird alien mystical thing. It's like, well, no, this is just like the results of the society and like all the bad shit that people did to each other. And right, you know, right. With the aftermath. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I, th- I thought that was really well done. Okay, so let's go ahead and, and move on and start grading um, grading this game. So f- the first category we have is design. Okay, so I give this one, th- this this has two pendulums swinging hard in either direction for me because of the art style and the actual, you know, just base RPG style with the stats, the way they did them, the, the four different kind of categories and all the sub stats. Like, I, I just thought that was all fantastic. I loved that. And then where it swings back a little bit for me, and really I, I should punish it in the time management category, which is probably what I will do, is there are some times where the game is, it's frankly too obtuse. Like, kind of to Trevor's example of the thought cabinet thing not being explained very well. And there there came a time or two for me in the game where I just I just felt completely lost. Like, didn't even know where to wander to in a way, you know? And and like you said, Jay, you know, at one point, there's definitely a day where you should just go to sleep, right? Yeah. So I, I feel like that pulls it down a little bit, but uh, but I, I because I enjoyed the art style and the game itself and the writing itself so much, uh, my, my grade on it is an eight, honestly. Chris, what are your, your thoughts? Yeah, I'd, I'd probably... I'd, like I think I feel like it's higher than an eight, but I don't feel that it's quite a nine because I, I think you did hit on an important part that the amount of times I ran back and forth from the cafe to the island <laughs> to the cafe right. to the island <laughs> to yeah. the cafe yeah. that that felt kind of like I there are better things I could be doing with my time. Um, but I mean, as a whole, I think it did something fairly unique that I haven't really seen a game do before. Um, so yeah, I would, I would put it probably like an 8.5. I mean, I don't know if you do decimals, but like, yeah, it, just, it doesn't quite feel like a nine, but it, it feels a little bit better than it. Okay. Well, I'm going to stay on brand and <laughs> oh, here it comes. <laughs> give it the nine it deserves. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here's, here's basically my justification for it. Uh, 
there's multiple points starting the game, playing the game at the end of the game where there's, there's almost like a part of me that's like, there's, I never could have thought up of something like this. And it just kind of made me marvel at the, at human ingenuity and human art. And uh, I mean, to me, if, if someone is able to accomplish that, that says a lot. And, um, and and I think a, a big part of, of why they accomplished that was because they did really well on the design of the game, the vision of what they wanted to accomplish, and then just kind of it making me in awe a lot of times. Hmm, interesting. Trevor, will you be uh, refereeing J Numbers Creep Larson at all? <laughs> yes, I will, because while I love this game, I love the art style, I love the weird world building of it, the things like the cars and other things and the the um the 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 restaurant and just everything about the way the people interact with you are all good they're they're just really well done but i have some some issues one of the ones chris brought up and that's the the fact that there is this wild um spectrum of political views and i what i'm going to give you an example i'm fairly right uh, politically you know i'm certainly the most right on this show um especially with chris on (laughs) (laughs) And I got the achievement for the world's most laughable centrist in this game <laughs> for taking the political center seven times. And, and that's only in the first two days. Now, that's a little ridiculous when they're like, we're so extreme on both ends that you're just a centrist. Like, it just it gets a little silly. So I, I'm going to throw that out there as a down as a little bit of a downer because it does not it almost tries to encourage you to take one of those two extremes, the extreme ends of the spectrum. And it does not like, and it makes it seem like it's a positive thing in a way that's really weird to me. Like there just doesn't seem to be a negative for the extremes of the government that they've been living under or systems that they've been living under that have been oppressive to them. It's just, it's really kind of that, that, that breaks my, my, uh, the fourth wall for me in some ways, because it just doesn't feel right. Um, <clears throat> again, I'm going to give some a little, a few down ticks on because of um, the, the way the game introduces or, or develops and does not basically give you enough information, I feel like. However, that's also a plus because I think it's doing that on purpose. I just think they did it a little bit too much. But overall, this game is beautiful. I love it. I think that it's uh, well-deserving of the eight that everybody else except for Jay has given it. <laughs> so what are you saying your final number is trevor eight. eight. Oh, okay okay yeah yeah i i i mean the the idea that this game can put you in a situation where it's really about your internal dialogue your mental aspects and your view of the world around you it can do it in such a beautiful way without like you guys have said i haven't had any combat yet i'm only on day two but i haven't had no combat so and i i don't i'm not looking for it or anything my character's not really a person that could go into combat and win um so you know the fact that it's able to do that 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 is such a leap forward in rpgs that i you know i honestly it kind of blows me away a little bit yeah okay all right time management uh all right so i already hinted at this but this is where i i give it its bad marks um because there are some points where i just felt like i was wandering too much and you know, I mean, if I wanted to wander around in a, a beautifully illustrated world, I could just watch a YouTube video, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> so for, I, how many hours played did you have on it, Josh? Oh, I should look. Let's see here. I, I mean, I'm going to guess it was upwards of. Um, well, while you're looking that, that up. Uh, 37 hours. I was going to I was going to say I was going to guess it was up, okay. upwards of 32. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go check mine, too, because I'm actually kind of curious about that. Because I, I will say that because of that, I, I felt like it, it it almost overstayed its welcome just a tiny bit for me, right? So so I'm saying I'm giving it its bad marks, but I feel like it's still not not that low. But I feel like the time management is basically a five. It's, it's, it's average. You know, I'm going to jump in real quick here and just say that 
there's some there's some issues with with uh, the way that it reveals the next event. Sometimes it feels like the this is this is the equivalent of the railroad that you get in a tabletop RPG in that you can't go to the next step until X, Y, or Z happens, and those don't happen until day two or day three or day right. four or whatever they are. Like, give me an opportunity to go outside that, and I realize that complicates the game design significantly, and that's something we'll see in the future. But there's times when I'm like, I've looked at everything possible. You know, maybe there should be something that happens as soon as I complete all the possibles. You know, if I complete them early or if I complete them late, maybe there's consequences. I don't know. And I'll give an example of one that they actually put into the game that I found interesting. And it was the the your your Jay mentioned it briefly, but the your bill is 130 credits at the uh, hotel that you're staying in because you. Ransack you ransack the trash the room. You were the bender to end all benders. <laughs> yeah. And you don't remember it. Well so I'm picking up up coins off the ground for, you know, twenty five cents or whatever, and I'm thinking, I have a hundred and thirty dollar bill. What the hell am I gonna do? Well as my character did something that was out of character because I chose to do it because it was the only way that I could make up the money. And that was even after grabbing up a bag and picking up bottles and things and selling them to the local store. You basically played hobo the game for the first little bit, right? Right. And that honestly, I don't, I don't even like that. Like if you're right. going to hang, if you're going to hang the sword of Damocles over my neck, don't, don't give me something silly. Like, picking up bottles and things like that just seemed kind of out of place in the game. Don't even put, I wouldn't even put that in there. I just say, you got a $130 bill and it's coming due in two days. And I'm going to give you moral situations where you're going to have to pick on how to deal with it. Whether it's, you just stiff them or you, you sell your soul to some person to get your money or whatever it is. That's fine. I just don't, the bottle thing bothered me a little bit and it felt like a time sink. Like we're just going to add this thing where they, we force the player to go pick up bottles for a while. So I kind of agree with Josh that it feels like the, the time is not always well used. Were you able to find what your uh, hours played were at Chris? Yeah. So I had about uh, uh, 28 hours in the game. Okay. Um, I think of that probably four, four, maybe five hours were spent wandering back and forth between the island and the cafe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when 20% of your game is spent really not playing the game, um, to me that that's, that's an issue in that uh, I, I agree that at times it felt obtuse in ways that weren't necessarily advancing what they were going for. Like they're, right. You know, there there were there were moments where like I was really glad that they were being obtuse and hiding things because then when you revealed them, you're like you felt like you know you earned that revelation, like you you took the steps necessary to to enhance your own knowledge. But then there are other times where it's like, okay, well if you don't find this one character who's like half hidden behind you know a ship, then you can't advance any of the plot. <laughs> but nothing tells you to go to that location. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, come on now, like I mean I I went and explored the entire city and they're not really like that visible and it shouldn't take me like three or four times wandering through the same area to you know to figure out what i'm supposed to do if it's an integral beat to the game like if it's you know a a side quest yeah that's fine whatever like that's on me for missing it but i think there's two things they could have added that would have fixed this one of them is the old world of warcraft i mean back in classic days where you had no clue where to go and Mm -hmm. people use people always use the map mods to find the npcs why not just give me a little highlighted point on the map that says this is where this npc is Right. Or, or even just ask being able to ask other people like, hey, you know, who's in town? Like something like right. that would fit right. perfectly in the storyline. It would fit perfectly with your character. And it doesn't have to be exact. It could just be like, oh, yeah, you know, so and so is at such and such. And then, OK, boom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now go look in that area because I know I need to talk to so and so. The other thing I was thinking of is if you have a situation where you've walked around for a substantial amount of time and you haven't talked to anybody or accomplished anything, why not have a game, an algorithm that just starts an internal monologue? You have right, a conver- yeah. you, right. you have a conversation with yourself, and that just that that's, feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah, because well, that those are some of the most fun conversations. Your internal monologues. Yeah, no, they're right. great. They're fantastic. I want more. Of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my highest stat might have been Inland Empire, and it was partly because oh, I just yeah. I freaking loved that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think I maxed Inland Empire. <laughs> <laughs> so good but uh yeah I, I i'd say i'd probably give it like a six for time management i mean i felt 
I felt when when things were firing on all cylinders, like it, I I was caught up in it. I was caught up right. in the story. But right. there were definitely points where I was just like, I don't know where to go. The game's not telling me where to go. Really not feeling like it's using my time efficiently right now. <laughs> um, so I'm I I'll start off by saying I guess that for the time management this length of game I I I ended up playing 29 hours to to finish it. Um, I think that 29 hours to have this type of experience is uh, phenomenal. I, I think that's great. Um, and it's uh, for where I'm at in life right now, that's a, a good amount of hours for me to be able to invest and have the experience, but not um, take forever to play it or you know whatever. Um, and so I, I did like I did appreciate that about it that they were able to. Uh, give me a, a noteworthy experience in that amount of time. Um, my probably worst complaint about it was that it did kind of feel like there was a bit of a a lull in the either the story or the enjoyment or whatever in in the middle of the game. Um, and I'm not sure if that's more in design or time management or what, but um, I'll, I'll probably go with a, a six as well on the time management, maybe a seven. So I, I want to make a co quick comment here about um, the internal monologues that, that um, happen in the game. So the character I decided to create or to pursue was rapidly fighting against his own insanity to the point where I would basically uh, dismiss thoughts anytime they would come up. And the game kind of lets you do that, and it doesn't force them upon you. And I actually right. kind of I kind of wish it would because – it doesn't feel like much of a fight after you dismiss them a few times. Like I, I don't, I don't feel like my character is fighting with his sanity anymore because anytime one of those comes up, I just dismiss it <laughs> because it gives me that option. It says, well, you know, what do you want to do with this thought? Well, hell I'm, I believe I'm saying I'm going to dismiss that thought <laughs> <laughs> and it lets me do it. Well, you, you mistakes were made Trevor because you needed to have your conversation with your necktie. <laughs> well, I will. I will admit that I, when I first dismissed the very first one, I dismissed. I fully expected it to push, and it mm, did. Yeah. And it didn't. So that's the part that caught me off guard. Was that I thought, okay, this is going to be a little bit of a game about my sanity. I'm going to fight for my sanity instead of embracing my insanity, like Josh did. And so, <laughs> how dare and so, you? And so I pushed away, and it let me do it, and it never fought back. Yeah. And I was like, well, huh. I, I think the thing is, though, is that by pushing it away, you, you actually do miss not significant portions of the game, but there are like bits and pieces here and there where by, you know, by listening to those thoughts, by going through those chains, you get you get a much broader perspective on this world and kind of what's going on in it. So I, I think from from that thought or idea, like there it, it's it's worth going through those dialogue chains just, just to learn more about what's going on. Like that's one of the main reasons why I kept doing it and like why I pushed my inland empire so high. Cause I, I thought they were fascinating. I just like, I didn't care if they gave me bonuses or, or negatives. I just wanted to see what they had written. <laughs> like I, cause I thought it was written very, very well. Yeah. I think there's a high possibility that and we'll, we should just grow straight into this, but there, I might replay the game specifically with the opposite intention to explore the insanity. Hmm. Okay, so the next category is going to be repeatability. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I feel like I give this category too much weight in my life, but I can totally see myself replaying this game. Like, even just opening up Steam and seeing how many hours I played it and looking at achievements, I'm like, oh, this would be fun to go through again. You know, with, again, you would just pursue a totally different character, and I, I feel like you would have pretty different experience well like to jay's point the fact that he's had no combat and in the meantime i'm trying to uh punch you know racists repeatedly <laughs> 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 so i for me i think the repeatability is 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 at least a seven that's what i'm gonna go with yeah i, I would say um i don't think i will personally go back and play the game because i viewed it kind of as like a book and it's going to take me like it takes me a long time to forget what I've read. Um, right. So, so as far as like, you know, the the, the main plot beats and all that, like it, it won't hit with the same impact. Um, that being said, like there are so many like little minor subplots and different ways to experience the game 
that I, I definitely think that there is a lot of replayability there. Um, it's just, it's probably not the type of replayability I would go for, but, um, I, I think it is a game that you can play over and over. Um, so I, I would, I would, I think I'd give it a, I'd actually, I'd probably give it an eight. I, I think nice. they did a very good job of, uh, you know, just scattering a whole bunch of different stuff in and not like not locking you out of it. But once you make your choices, like you've made your choices, like that's who you are. So this is <laughs> Trevor's going to be shocked with, with what I'm about to say <laughs> or what I'm about to grade. But so I've, I've experienced this game. I have enjoyed this game. Um, and in general, I'm the type of person who does enjoy rereading books or rewatching movies, etc. But I just don't have any desire to repeat this game, partially uh, because of the time investment that it would involve, and also, right. etc. It's, it's just not. I had a great experience. It's not one. I, I think that probably part of the issue as well is that if I were to try to uh, repeat the experience, I don't. I'm, I would be worried that the magic wouldn't be there compared to the first time playing it. And your first time might color a, a, a repeat experience quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, it, and that's why I said, like, I need to be able to forget it first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm going to go with a two on yeah. repeatability. <laughs> so I I'm the type of person who always says, oh, I should totally replay this game and I'm going to choose you know, for example, in KOTOR, I'm like, I'm going to choose the dark side next time, you know, or I'm the type of person that's like, you know what? I played the, the, um, uh, goody two shoes in, in, uh, uh, Neverwinter nights. I'm going to go back and replay that, but I'm going to be the bad guy or right. vice or vice versa. I always say that I never do that. I have never once replayed an RPG. Uh, the closest I've come is I tried to replay final fantasy seven. And that's not the same because you're not making those same. You're you're mostly being read a story with combat in between. Right. You know, it's not you're not making those uh, moralistic choices that you make throughout that game. So um, while I say that I this would be fun to replay, the chances of me replaying it are basically nil. I'm not going to replay it. Um, it's just not going to happen. I have I have too many other games on the stack to yeah. replay to replay this, especially because there are games that. Um, I really, really love and really, really want to replay badly, and I still don't replay those. So, uh, ba- BattleTech is a good example. That game is amazing, and I really, really want to replay that campaign. And I'm, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, who, who am I fooling? You know, right, right. This is my, I'm giving my inner dialogue right here, um, appropriate to the game. But um, so I, I'm going to say um, I do think that there is some issues with replaying it because of um, the presentation it gives you the first time. Um, so it, it feels like it's going to be fairly low for or average for me because everything in games I don't replay. Uh, so maybe a five. Okay, done. All right, on to fun. I mean, I'll give it a ten. I had a I'm trying to not. I'm trying to not numbers creep. Like, okay, so here, here I, I'm going to go ahead. And I'll just agree with Chris. I, I I'll just have fun and give it the ten. But I will say this one caveat, and I think we've kind of addressed this. Like. This thing has some adult themes in it. Like this thing yeah. has some oh, yeah. like heavy hitting emotional beats, right? And so it was fun, but also bear in mind that I also have fun when my friends are destroyed by Nyarhotep, you know. So right, <laughs> it, 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 it's it's fun in the way that like you you experience something and you're like, wow, that was amazing. But I'm really glad it happened to that other person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is not popsicle on a summer day before slip and slide fun. This is no. a little different flavor for sure. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, Jay, did we did we creep high enough on the numbers there? Um, I'm I'm gonna go completely off brand and, and not creep with you. Um, and I'm gonna go with an eight, and mostly because of the kind of the mid game lull that I was experiencing. Although I will say that both the impact at the start of the game. And the end of the game are are both fantastic. Yeah, right, right. I'm I'm not gonna grade here. I I hate to grade a game with only half of it done. I just don't wanna I don't wanna say anything or do anything that that could change or way you know give weight to what somebody else is thinking about trying the game out because I just don't know. I will tell you that the first um what would it be the first three or four hours of the game were fantastic. Like the, yeah. art, <laughs> the art was amazing. 
I was like, I was lying to everybody. Yeah, oh yeah, I I totally remember. Yeah, I took that I took that body out of the tree. Oh wait, it's still the tree. What do you? Oh well, I, yeah. Um, uh, huh. My gun. I'm supposed to have a gun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I that was a blast. I am currently experiencing the mid game lull, and it, it's yet to be seen how I feel about it when the game ends. But I'm I'm certain that the game will be well worth the time. And that's more than I can say about a lot of games I've played. Yeah. All right. Overall. Okay. Overall, uh, I'm giving it an eight because I feel like an eight looks like a disco ball hanging from the ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is kind of appropriate because there's a lot of things in the game that basically make about as much sense as that logic. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? There you go. That was my Inland Empire speaking. (laughs) I'm going to go with a nine beat. In, in large part because you know it just does feel like an accomplishment of human art um, and also just there's lots of, of points in, in the game where it just made me say wow to myself and and that's something that uh, I find is is somewhat hard to create and so um, kudos to the people who made this yeah I'd, I'd give it a nine too because um, like you said like it, it, it is a piece of art. Um, it's it's an interactive piece of art that I, I would highly recommend people experience because like you you are not going to find anything like it in in other games. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, is, it is definitely something unique. And um, ho- hopefully it's a direction we see more games going um, trying to trying to create that experience. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I I'm really glad that I played it and I, I really, really enjoyed my time playing it. You know, and I have to say, just to, to add to Chris's point, I would even have been glad I played it had I not finished it. Kind of like you're saying, mm-hmm. Trevor, that those first few hours even, I was like, whoa, I already got my, you know, value back out of this thing. Like, so. Well, and again, this is a, hard for me to judge since I have not completed it, but I will say that this is this is a genre-defining uh, release. This is a um, the type of release that changes the way things are done from here on out. Is this the pinnacle of this style? Well, currently it is, but will it be forever? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think it will be. I think somebody's going to come along and take this this to the next level, and it's going to be, be even better. Um, but I am impressed with it, and I think that it deserves all the praise that it's getting. Um, I'm not going to rate it a ten because I do feel like there's going to be something that's going to come along and fix a lot of the little tiny problems that we're talking about in right. something. I mean, they can't obviously completely copy it, but I think you could come up with something that has a similar vein in that, you know, the, the it is an interactive RPG book that, that doesn't necessarily isn't based on combat is more about telling this fantastic story with a fantastic art direction in a very believable world. Um, somebody's going to come along and improve upon it. Uh, but right now this is uh, this is a work of art. And um, honestly, I look forward to replaying it in 20 years when they do the Disco Elysium release um, <laughs> and they, 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 they redo it a little bit, you know, because yeah. honestly, it has got that level of weight to it. Nice. All right. Audience. Audience. Uh, yeah, I mean, keep this away from your young children. <laughs> Kuno's got a bit of a mouth on him. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's true, too. I, did, yeah, I just wouldn't want my child to be following Kuno's example right away in life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, as, also, as you alluded to earlier, I mean, there, there are definitely like some heavy emotional issues in this game. Like, yeah. It's, no. this, this is not something that uh, <laughs> it's, it's not happy fun times. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's not lighthearted. Right. I mean, it's no, just not, not just. Not just emotional, but cultural as well. I don't mm-hmm. think that even even if it didn't have some of the um, language or themes or like the you know dead body hanging from a tree sort of thing in it, I still don't think that it would be appropriate for young minds because they just wouldn't they wouldn't enjoy it. They wouldn't get it. I don't think this for, is yeah. I, yeah, this is kind of one of those things where you have to explore it after you've had a little bit of life experience. Yeah, so, well, I, I I would say it's like when I tried to read Foundation as a kid. You know, I just there you go. No idea yeah. what it was about. Right <laughs> like, there you go. That's perfect. So, yeah, no. If, if I was like a twelve-year-old playing this, I I would probably be like, "What is this game? Like, this is awful." But yeah, you know, I would think it's a piece of trash. I'm like, "Why is this game so awful? Where do I <laughs> yeah. where do I where do I get to kill the orcs?" Right, yeah. exactly. But you you know you play it as like mid late twenties, past that, like all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> so okay, so. Final category, no or no go, or go or no go. Um, 
I'm pretty sure all four of us are, are in the go. Category. Yeah, I would, I would say go. <laughs> I'm a cosmic go. <laughs> the prophetic go. That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, at this point, we're going to kick out Trevor and tell <laughs> anyone who wants to not Major hear spoilers spoiler to uh, turn off the, this podcast and, and don't continue listening. Chain attack. okay we'll see you Trevor thank you bye-bye okay so Chris I I, you you had mentioned the the ending earlier um could you I guess do you want to expand some on what you were thinking with that sure yeah so um again this is heavy spoilers highly encourage you do not have the game spoiled if you're looking forward to playing it right (laughs) right (laughs) um but yeah like the the whole thing with the um the stick insect the yeah like that when that appeared at the very end that freaking blew my mind <laughs> i thought i'd lost my sanity in real life right now. yeah i was just like oh, no no it's happening like, like, i set all the traps and there was nothing there like it can't be real but it's there <laughs> oh it was just it was so well done and it and it it hit it just the right time like it, it was fantastic so i do have a complaint about the ending of this game and i'm i'm curious what you guys if you guys agree with me or not um but so if let's say that i'm going to a movie night and i decide that i want to watch knives out and it's kind of this whodunit murder mystery thing and that has a huge ensemble of of characters and if i got to the end of the movie and all of a sudden it was like okay so the person who did it was someone you haven't met yet none of this these many ensemble of characters i'd be like what what's going on here i don't understand and it seems kind of strange to me that they went that route with this game. Yeah, and are you talking about, am I remembering right? Are you talking about like the guy that you find out on that final island? Yeah, the, yes. the sniper on the island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The deserter, I think they called him, right? Like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember like, because what I'm hearing you say, Jay, is that it felt like the story did not really foreshadow or drop any hints or indications of the possibility of that guy. And in general, I would prefer in a murder mystery um, type setting for it to, there to be clues on and conflicting clues on what might be going on. Um, and then for it to be someone that you actually have a chance of guessing like, okay, I, I think this might be the person who did it. And yeah. I, I can see that. Like, cause uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think, I think I remember during the investigation, like when you're going through the sight lines and stuff, I think you you get to where you know that the shot came from the island, right? Yes, yeah. there is. Yep. Yeah. 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 So I mean, so yeah, just just having and it, as far as I can recall, I don't think anyone mentioned anything about someone being on the island. Um I I know I remember them saying like, you know, it was an old fort and, you know, kind of from before the war. Well, there aren't really indications until you get to the island and then you see like evidence that whoa, somebody's Living, right. living here, right. and, yeah, 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 yeah. During the game, it, I don't, yeah, I don't remember them actually ever saying that like there was someone still out there. Right. So yeah, I, I can see that. That was that was my one disappointment with it, and it was kind of a um, big disappointment for me because I was um, kind of invested in like, okay, well, who actually did this, and you know, I'm going to be a cop who figures out who did did it. <laughs> I was then... convinced I had done it myself, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like for my dark gods, basically. <laughs> it's a, although I, I will say kind of from a um from more meta perspective is that like it does mirror real life right yeah reality yeah. in that way right. that sometimes you just like it is just some random dude who fires a gun from an island right. <laughs> that's just the way the world works yeah um i guess one other question i had for you guys with the ending how did how did things go with i guess what you guys played with like kind of reintegrate <laughs> into his oh with like your precinct and stuff like that yeah yeah i basically i managed to get myself welcomed back in and i even recruited um kitsurugi right your partner Uh like i basically recruited him to join my precinct um so i mean i i got like the good cop ending i guess is really what i got for the for that final cleanup yeah i I think i got I, i i definitely i was friends with kitsurugi um my precinct uh, welcomed me back. I don't think I found the bullets to my gun or my gun. I, I, I remember I didn't find one of them. Um, 
But yeah, on the whole, like my ending, it felt like it was positive. Uh, it felt like my guy was getting his life back together. I I have a meeting to go get my gun, and then basically uh, the end game portion happened, and I I got shot, and it did the time skip, etc. And so. I never got a chance to actually go to the meeting and, and never got my gun because of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, um, so two, uh, two questions I have. Um, did you guys find the man made of money? No. Uh-uh. Oh, so, so you never opened up the, uh, the shipping container? No. no I couldn't oh, figure out how to. you gotta go open up the shipping container. Okay. <laughs> so great. <laughs> And and then um the uh, cathedral quest line. Did you ever go all the way through that one? To where no, I I could not figure out how to get like the furthest I got with it was there was like a guy, the, the or a creature almost hanging in the ra- hanging out in the rafters, right? Mm-hmm. And had yes. a conversation with him. But I then I felt like I just felt like I got lost and I kind of abandoned that that yeah. quest line. Oh, you got to go through that one. That was so <laughs> good, huh? I don't think yeah. I even entered the cathedral. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, I I don't know if you want me to spoil it for you, not. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. I yeah, won't so, for many years, like you're like we were saying. Yeah. So, so so basically, the cathedral one is um, you know, there's that uh that punk band in there, right? Right. And so um, they uh, if you find the, re- I think there's this researcher you can find, right? Who's you know um trying to to track down uh the pale, and so. What ends up happening, you go through the quest line for the punk band, it gets the researcher into the cathedral, and then she's using their music to uh, find a, there's actually a, um, it's almost like a little miniature black hole in the roof of the cathedral where what? the veil is coming in. Yeah. And you okay. have to defeat it with the power of music. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it was so fucking cool. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I, I was so glad like that I had done the busy work for for that one because like yeah. again the payoff was was just phenomenal. <laughs> I feel like that happens in quite a few of the quest lines that the payoff yeah. you're like yeah, oh yeah. man that was fun. So. Yeah. <laughs> so do you guys have any closing or final thoughts on the game? Uh, just go play it. I mean it's a great game. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it came into the zeitgeist honestly because uh, yeah <laughs> it, it, it's just been totally worth it. Awesome. I I I agree with everything you guys said. <laughs> so. Um, for our bonus episode, we're going to be talking about and grading Chris's game of hockey. And we'll also probably, our, our Patreons are, are currently, our patrons are currently voting on the other topic. Uh, Flotilla, I think, is, is currently, that board game is leading, but we'll so see where, where we go with that. Uh, so back us on Patreon and you can listen to the bonus episode and uh, hear even more of us. Um, Chris, we wanted to thank you very much for taking time and, and doing this podcast with us. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. It was it was a blast to to talk about the game. <laughs> I mean, it's I, been I a treat. <laughs> yeah. It's it's nice to uh, get some fun social interactions talking with people, uh, right? <laughs> during this pandemic, so that's <laughs> one nice thing about doing podcasts. There you go. <laughs> awesome. So tune in next week, and thank you everyone for listening. <laughs>